Or works in funny ways. He let me out of it last week. He's like, nope, you're getting up there this week. Uh, all right, I'll be reading out of uh, Matthew uh, uh, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thank you, Tyler. Good morning, church. I'd like to thank you for being here this morning, especially those that you are visiting. We'd like to ask that you will stay around a few moments after our services so that we might get to know you better. I do want to uh, add uh, to uh, one of the lists that Brother Donnie had mentioned about having surgery. Miss Ann Strickland's going to be having surgery uh, this Friday at Vanderbilt, so we want to remember her uh, as well as all of those who will be having surgery this week. And uh, we're th- also thankful to have Alan Snellen uh, back with us today. Um, Alan uh, had a heart attack last week and was able to have a stent put in, so Alan, it's so good to see you, and we're, we're thankful things are going well. So continue to pray for him as well as others. Uh, Also, I want to draw your attention to the back of the bulletin to save save the date. There's two dates I want you to remember. Uh, The first date is September the 26th. September the 26th is our Wild Game Supper. I'll be back uh, in the back at 6 p.m. that evening. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, Also, if you can help with that, we need help. So if you can help, please let Miss Carol Ellison or Miss Diane Wilkins know. uh, That will be greatly, greatly appreciated. Also, for all of our parents, uh, with young people. Um, if you would like to be a part of the uh, Lads to Leaders program, uh, we had several that went to the uh, convention last year, and so we're going to have a kickoff luncheon uh, on September the 29th. And uh, if you can uh, participate in that, uh, that particular luncheon, you're asked to sign the list uh, in the foyer. So uh, keep those two dates uh, on your calendars and in your minds, and be a part of those if at all possible. Keep your Bibles open there to Matthew chapter 28. What we're going to do over the next month is we're going to be talking about connecting in the form of discipleship. And what we want to think about is we'll do a base lesson from Matthew 28 today, but also we want to think about how we pass on our faith and the idea of passing on our faith and that faith that we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. So keep that in mind over the next few weeks as we think about connecting in discipleship and sharing our faith with our families and with others and those around us. Now I want you to imagine in your mind if there was a person who you loved dearly. You spent much time with this person and then all of a sudden this person passed away and then shortly after that this person is alive again and they give you instructions on what you need to do further and how you need to live. Now we think about that and that's hard to imagine, isn't it? I mean, things like that just don't happen in life, do they? Well, in Matthew 28, we have Jesus' apostles. They experienced this very thing. I mean, think about it. They had been with Jesus. They had heard His teachings. They had seen His miracles. They had seen the great things that He had done. They had even seen Him beaten and crucified, murdered on a cross. 
buried in a grave, and now He's risen again. And then He leaves them some instructions that He wants them to do and how He wants them to live <clears throat> before He would leave in a short time again. And He says, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Well, when we think about connecting in the form of discipleship, I think we have to answer a basic question. What is a disciple? Let me share with you some things that I came across. In the Greek world, a disciple was designated as an apprentice. In other words, someone who accompanied a teacher and was seeking to learn from that teacher. Also, he was one who was an adherent to another's teacher, uh, someone else said. In that culture, there were also groups of disciples who continued following the teachings of their teachers even after they had died. Their commitment to their master teacher led to passing along his wisdom and his sayings. Fair and strong both say that a disciple is, means to follow the precepts and instructions of someone and to teach or instruct Another. So we understand that a disciple means a learner, a follower of a master, a follower of a teacher. And by those definitions, and in the, in the Greek world, uh, that, that meant that you would also pass those along to those to other individuals. And here Jesus is giving his apostles, who also would be disciples, followers, learners from him, instructions to pass on his teachings. Jesus invited all those who listened to his teachings. You remember Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28? He said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Have you ever wanted rest? Um, just this morning I was speaking to someone and we talked about how uh, we live in this life, some might refer to it as a rat race. Maybe you refer to it as being on this non-stop merry-go-round. And that's the way life is. And sometimes we just say, if I could just rest. But the reality is, we receive rest from this crazy world in Jesus Christ. Jesus would say in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And we know by looking at Scripture that many followed and many turned away. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57, we have such case. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who, he, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea, the Bible tells us, had also become this learner and follower of Jesus Christ. But look at uh, John chapter 6, verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. These are followers of Jesus. And John says, many of them went back and they didn't walk with him anymore. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, why is it important to understand these passages of Scriptures as it relates to the learner-follower of Jesus Christ? Because Scripture tells us that many will follow, but also many will turn away. 
And so as we share our faith, we need to also remember, not everybody's going to hear it. Not everybody's going to accept it. Not everybody will follow, but even those who follow may also turn away. So it makes sense then, in order to make disciples... We have to be a disciple ourselves. We have to be that learner, that follower of Jesus Christ, the master, the master teacher. And notice also, that's not just a one-time deal. That's, that's ongoing. That's constantly. It's always our prayer and plea that anytime anyone comes in this building, that they know we are extending an invitation to follow, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's also our prayer and our plea that as we go out into our lives, we do the same as well. That our life may also, our life of discipleship, our life of saying, I am a Christ follower, will also draw people to Him. Do you remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1? Imitate me. Follow me. Copy me. Not because I'm so great. Not because I'm the great Apostle Paul. But he said, imitate me. Copy me. Follow me as I also imitate Christ. And that should be our goal in the same way. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ today? If not, it is our plea. It is our prayer that if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that you too <clears throat> will come and be a follower, learner of Jesus Christ. So then, we understand what a disciple is. How do we make disciples? Jesus gives specific instructions to His apostles right here in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20. First of all, you notice Jesus says, Go. We can't make disciples simply by going to church, can we? Now, I've already mentioned as the things that we do here. We call people. We want you to be a follower of Jesus. But we can't just do that and expect people to become disciples. Jesus said, I want you to go. You see, what Jesus wanted, us, wanted His apostles to realize is that as you're going through your everyday life, make disciples, teach Someone said, go also implies that the disciples, and this holds for God's children in general, must not concentrate all their thought on coming to church. They must also go to bring the precious tidings to others. Of course, they cannot go unless they have first all come. And unless they keep coming as well as going, they cannot give unless they, are, they will also receive. So you see, it's, it's a two-part process. We come, we are filled. And then we go and we share. And we come and we are filled. And we go and we share. And we come and we're filled. And we go and we share. You see how the process continues. And Jesus wanted His apostles that He was sending out to know this. But He also wanted those hundreds and thousands of years later, who would also become disciples to understand this process. So it's not just about coming and receiving, and then we go and live. You 
You see, if we're not careful whether we believe that not or not, we can get in that kind of routine. Well, I've gone to church, so I'm good. And that's not what Jesus' instructions were to His apostles. And that's not the instructions that they passed down to the New Testament church, who later also passed that down to others. Yes, we are to come and receive, but then we are to go. Specific instructions from Jesus. And then Jesus says, He says, I want you to go. And while you go, I want you to teach all things that I've commanded you. And I want you to notice next, actually in the process, He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. You might say, now why are we talking about teaching first? Because actually, and it's logical, logical to think that teaching and baptizing both go hand in hand. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith comes by what? Hearing, what are they hearing? The Word of God. He also wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. So the Bible teaches us that, that teaching, learning, and baptizing, it all goes together. And so Jesus says, listen, teaching is important. And so I want you to go. When you go, I want you to teach. Now, we don't necessarily have to know all the intricacies of the New Testament. But what we do have to know is what Jesus has come and what He's done for humanity and what He's done for me. And that is He has taken because of my faith in Him, my belief in Him, and I accept that and I follow it and I adhere to it. He's taken a sinner and washed away my sins. He's taken a sinner who's caught up in the rat race of sin and given rest and peace. Jesus said, I want you to teach all that I've commanded you. You see, these apostles received that and then they, they passed that on to the New Testament church and then other faithful men and women passed that on to other men and women. Just think about all the commandments of Jesus. All the parables that He taught. These earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. His sayings like, abide with Me. Stay connected with Me. As a disciple of Mine, stay connected with Me. Love each other. Also bear witness... Love your enemies. How are we to do those things? Because Christ did them. Because we claim to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ and we want to be like Christ. He would also teach, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, Luke 9.23. Remember all His great promises and His predictions. Remember the promise that He will come again. That where, we, where He is, we may be also. Add to this lessons on the cross, on hypocrisy, on proclaiming the gospel, on prayer, on humility, on trust, on forgiving, and on the law, both the law of Moses and the law of Christ. Jesus said, go. 
And while you go, I want you to teach. Come. Meet with God's people. Receive. And then go in your everyday life. That going also includes those who would decide that I'm going to a foreign land to teach. You see, it would include them and it would include those who do not. Wherever you go, he says, teach. Teach all, the, all those things that I've commanded. And we read those in Scripture. And then he said, I want you to baptize. I want you to baptize. Baptize, what's that mean? Well, that means to immerse. It means to submerge. It's the same idea. We know, we've studied, maybe you've seen the movie. We understand about the Titanic. What, what happened to the Titanic? It sank. When it sank, what happened? It was submerged in water. And that's the same idea of the Greek word baptism. To baptize. In the New Testament context of being baptized, it had the understanding that one being baptized has been taught and is willing to appropriate that teaching by being baptized, but also by appropriating that teaching throughout their life. Someone said this, The context makes very clear that Jesus is here speaking about those who are old enough to be considered the objects of preaching. He is not here speaking about infants. To be ready for baptism requires repentance. It requires receiving the Word. This also shows that a certain amount of teaching must precede being baptized. And so we teach people about Jesus. We teach people about what He's done in our life. And yes, then we teach people the commandments that He has given that would lead them to being baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I remember what is recorded in the book of Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. You remember the New Testament church taught about being baptized into Jesus Christ. Well, we know Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, but also Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, the Bible says, but when they believed... Philip, as he preached, he taught, he shared about Jesus, the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. You see, he taught and they were baptized. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death that as Jesus, that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I like the way one person put it. Baptism therefore is very important. The one who submits to it if sincere, is proclaiming that he has broken the world with the world and has been brought into union with the triune God, that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, to whom he intends to devote his life. You see, those are some powerful statements as we think about baptism. Because if I'm not ready to devote my life, to Him, and to, in a sense, break up with the world, to be married to Jesus Christ, if I'm not ready to do that through faith, 
then all the water in the world is not going to save us. You see, that's part of the teaching that we find in New Testament Scripture. That's not something that we just declare here uh, as a church body. That's not something that our elders have made up and said, hey, this is what we believe. That's because that's what we find the teachings of Jesus Christ and the teachings that, that came from Him from the apostles and they wrote about through inspiration of the Spirit to the New Testament church and to Christians until time shall end. So Jesus says, I want you to go. If you're going to be my follower, my learner, I want you to go. Whether you do like Steve and Chuck and others who go into foreign fields, you're in a, you're in a mission field every day when you go to work, when you go to school. So as you go, I want you to teach. Teach people about Jesus. I want you to realize some people are going to listen and some people are not. Some people are going to follow and even when they follow, some are going to turn away. Don't let that deter you. I want you to go and I want you to live in such a way and I want you to talk and, and teach in such a way that draws people to Jesus to become disciples of Jesus Christ. I came across this uh, illustration I want to share with you. In 2004, Viktor Yushchenko stood for the presidency of the Ukraine. Vehemently opposed by the ruling party, Yushchenko's face was disfigured and he almost lost his life when he was mysteriously poisoned. This was not enough to deter him from standing for the presidency. One day, uh, on the day of the election, Yoshinko was comfortably in lead. The ruling party, not to be denied, tampered with the results. The state-run television station reported, Ladies and gentlemen, we announced that the challenger, Victor Yoshinko, has been decisively defeated. In the lower right-hand corner of the screen, a woman by the name of Natalia Dimitrik was providing, providing a translation service for the deaf community. As the news presenter regurgitated the lies of the regime, Natalia refused to translate them. I'm addressing all the deaf citizens of Ukraine, she signed. They are lying, and I'm ashamed to translate those lies. Yoshinko is our president. The deaf community sprang into gear. They text messaged their friends about the fraudulent results and as news spread of Dimitri's act of defiance, increasing numbers of journalists were inspired to likewise tell the truth. Over the coming weeks, the Orange Revolution occurred as million, a million people wearing orange made their way to the capital city of Kiev, demanding a new election. The government was forced to meet their demands. A new election was held and Viktor Yushchenko became president. In his book, as he shares this story, in the book, What Good is God? Philip Yancey writes this. When I heard the story behind the Orange Revolution, the image of a small screen of truth in the corner of the big screen became for me an ideal picture of the church. You see, as we, we as a church do not control the big screen. When we do, we usually mess it up, he says. Go to any magazine rack or turn on the television and you see a consistent message. What matters is how beautiful you are, how much money or power you have. Similarly, though, through, though the world includes many poor people, they rarely make the magazine covers or news shows. 
Instead, we focus on the super rich, names like Bill Gates or Oprah Winfrey. Our society is hardly unique. Throughout history, nations have always glorified winners, not losers. Then, like the sign language translator in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, along comes a person named Jesus who says, in effect, don't believe the big screen. They're lying. It's the poor who are blessed, not the rich. Mourners are blessed too, as well as those who hunger and thirst and are persecuted. Those who go through life thinking they're on top end, uh, end, on top end up on bottom, and those who go through life feeling they're on bottom end up on top. After all, what does it profit if a person, if a person is to gain the whole world and loses his soul? You see, I share all that to say, what we do matters. The example that we go out and live matters. Now, I'm not suggesting that any of us are to go out and be perfect. We are not. But like Brother Larry has done this morning, even in our imperfections when we say, I have failed. I need You, Lord. Church, I need help. You see, that's being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And when we go out and people see change, even when we messed up, that's declaring to the world where the real power is. It's not in Hollywood. It's not in Washington. It's in Jesus Christ. It's not even really, hear what I'm saying, it's not even really in the church unless Jesus is in middle of the church. That's where the power is. And so what we do as disciples of Jesus Christ in that world, it matters. Keep coming. Keep being filled. Keep going. And keep teaching. Today, if you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, we've talked about baptism. You see, it's not really about the water. There's nothing magical about the water, water other than that's what... Jesus has commanded. You see, what's powerful is us saying, I cannot live. I'm ready to break up with you, world, because you do not give me peace. The Bible calls it the passing pleasures of sin. If you're ready to give your life back to Jesus Christ who gave His life for you, will you today be immersed into the watery grave of baptism to rise in newness of life, having your sins washed away through the blood of Christ and your faith and belief in Him and your obedience to Him. Will you do that today and you can go on your way rejoicing? Maybe you're here today, Brother Larry's already said, I need help. Maybe you're here today and you're carrying some burdens and you've, you've been filled and you've been touched, not by me, but by the Word of God. Because now you're ready and you're determined you want to go, but you need some, you need some help. You have some struggles or you have some things you need to be, be made right. Won't you do that today as together we stand and sing?